0: glad to be in the house of God this morning. Let me hear from you. Come on, isn't God good? It's good to be together. Hey, I want you to find someone to your left, your right. Tell them that you are glad that they are here. Maybe tell them, hey, you're looking good on Mother's Day. While you're doing that, I'm going to say welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Thank you for making time to worship Jesus with us. Come on, grow in our faith together today. if you have your Bible with you today, you can turn to the book of Esther. I'll have some scriptures that I'll touch on as we're getting there, as we open up a new sermon series today. And you know, I once again just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the women. Thank you for all that you do, all that you mean, all that you, um, all the ways that you give of yourselves to so many others Motherhood is just such a sacrificial thing, and so we honor you, we appreciate you. Again, regardless of what your role is, as a biological mom, as a grandmom, as a spiritual mom, you're making a difference in the lives of others. We honor you, we esteem you. Come on, guys, one more time. Can we just put our hands together for all the ladies in the house today? We love you, we're grateful for you. So yeah, turn to the book of Esther and we're starting a new series today. I'm really excited about this series. And I believe that if you'll lean in, if you'll grab a hold to whatever God wants to speak to you, whatever he maybe wants to remind you of or reveal to you, I believe that this series has the opportunity to cause us in a new or a deeper way to walk in the boldness of Jesus Christ. And I believe it also has the opportunity to call us to the need and to the dependency that we must have upon the Holy Spirit if we're going to walk in the boldness of Jesus Christ. I believe this series will also call us to recognize some of the places that maybe we have become more dependent upon the patterns and the structures and the ways of the world than maybe we are the dependency and, and looking to and leaning, leaning on the ways that the Word of God instructs us to live in our life. And so again, through this series, I believe that God's gonna call us, he's gonna challenge us to the need to be bold, he's gonna challenge us to the need to be dependent, to abide in him, to be tethered to him, to rely upon him, and it's also gonna draw us out of some things where maybe the things of this world, the ways of this world, have had undue influence or a greater influence on some of the ways we think, on maybe some of the ways we act, or live than what God's word has had. So how many of you believe that those would be good things? Greater boldness in Christ, understanding our need to be dependent, dependent upon him fully, and maybe stepping out of some things and stepping t- of the world and stepping towards God's best heart, will, and word for our life, our marriage, our family, our heart, our mind. Amen, would those be good things for us to experience through the series? That's the heart of this series. The title of this series is something that I wanted to title it to really get your attention, and I'm calling this series Cancel Culture. And here's what cancel culture is, if you don't know. It's this movement that's going on in our culture that is attempting to minimize, intimidate, or eliminate differing opinions or beliefs. And in an increasing way, especially beliefs, statements, or positions that are related to family values or biblical morality. So hear me on something before we dig into this. There are legitimate issues where accountability should be required. For example, racism. I believe racism and prejudice grieves the heart of God. And the only room for any talk of supremacy in the church of Jesus Christ is related to the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ over his church which is comprised of every nation, tribe, and (laughs) tongue. That's what the Bible says. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue will worship him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We might as well get used to it on this side of eternity. So there are issues where accountability should be required. But unfortunately, the effort to silence, harass, and intimidate has not stopped with accountability for legitimate wrongs. It has extended to points of disagreement over politics, health decisions, family values, and again, especially concerning anything having to do with biblical morality, and especially regarding gender and sexuality. So so I'm titling this series, Cancel Culture. And I want to get into the fact that I believe as a church, we're going to have to understand some of the things that are clearly outlined for us all throughout the Bible, that as the people of God, and especially in the New Testament, but really all throughout the Bible, there's a call that we have to understand how to to walk in the boldness of God, to be used of God, to bring about the truth of God in a culture that desperately needs God. Cancel It used to be something that we did to an old magazine subscription. Remember when you actually used to get paper magazines delivered to your house? Maybe who still does get a paper magazine delivered to your mailbox? We used to cancel an old subscription. When a television show stopped drawing viewers, they would cancel the television show, but sadly today we have people attempting to cancel people. In an attempt to punish them, in an attempt to destroy their reputation, and in an attempt to harm them financially, and here's what I want to share with you today is that regardless of, of who's canceling who, for what reason, it violates the heart of God. Because the heart of God is this. Let me just read some foundational scriptures for you. First Peter 4.8 says, Ab- above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to you, he's talking to me, and he says, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Ephesians 4, verse 31 through 32. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently and watch for yourselves lest you also be tempted. Jesus had no room in his heart for canceling others. In fact, Jesus caught a lot of shade for spending time with people that the religious community of the day thought ought to be canceled. Remember, he he spent time with Zacchaeus and the people. If you go read that story... In the book of Luke, it says the people murmured when they saw Jesus spending time with Zacchaeus. Remember, he spent time, he engaged with the woman at the well, who, if you'll remember, she was a Samaritan. And she was surprised when Jesus engaged her. And let me just show you how the Bible captures it in John chapter four, verse nine. It says the woman, this woman at the well was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She was a Samaritan, She was a woman, and not just a woman and a Samaritan, but she was a sinful woman and Samaritan. Because you remember the story that Jesus went on and he drew some truth out of her heart when he said, "The, the, the husband, the man that you are with right now is not your husband. And so Jesus was willing to go into the places where the culture was saying, these people ought to be cast out. These people ought to be shunned. And there's evidence that she had already been shunned by the others in her community because the Bible gives the account that she was going by herself to draw water for her family at high noon. And what it says to us is that she had been shunned because that's not the time of day that you normally would go to gather water. You would go with the other women of the community in the cool of the morning because of who she was, because of what she had done. She had been shunned. She had been canceled. But Jesus not only participated, not only refused to participate in her canceling, but he engaged with her. And you remember what he did? He offered her a drink. He said, we're drinking from this earthly water that we will once again thirst again. But he said, if you know who is talking to you, you would drink, you would take a drink of the rivers of living water that I have to offer you. And you've been going and you've been trying to fill that place in your life with all the other people and other things. And he said, if you'll drink of me, you'll never thirst. Again, and that's it, the invitation that he gives you and I today as well. Jesus had no room in his heart for canceling others. Remember the woman who was caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8, and they came to Jesus and they said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, which is the ultimate canceling. And they said, What do you say? And I want you to watch this what the Bible shows us, that they were actually looking for a way that they could cancel Jesus through this. And, and you say, what do you mean, Pastor T? Just read along with me. Watch, you'll see what I mean. Verse six, it says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. Doesn't that sound like the spirit of cancel culture? And it says, but Jesus in response stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. And aren't you grateful? I don't know about you, but I know I can speak for myself that I'm grateful that the Jesus that I know and love and serve in the moment that I was caught in the act and others were saying, you, you, God will never use you. You can never bounce back. I'm so grateful that I serve a Jesus who was willing to stoop down in that very moment into the dirt of my life. And I'm just telling you today, if that's where you find yourself caught up in the midst of sin and darkness, confusion, I'm telling you that Jesus still today is in the business of stooping down into the dirt of your life and putting his hands right in the middle of the, of the problem to bring about deliverance, freedom, and a hope for a future. It says he stooped down and he began to write in the dust with his finger, but they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right, which I think was his way of just saying, you're about to get something more than what you bargained for. (laughs) And he said, all right, but let the first one, let the one who has never sinned rather throw the first stone. And he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, I think maybe it was more about when the accusers saw what he was writing in the dust, theologians kind of debate about it, but I think it's possible that he was writing maybe some of the things or maybe some of the people that maybe these individuals had once trespassed with. And I think they saw and they thought, wait a minute, we're, we're holding her to a standard that we can't hold up for ourselves. And it says when the accusers heard this, when they saw this, what he was writing in the dust as he stooped down into the sinful moment of this woman's life, it says that they began to slip away one by one, beginning with the oldest, probably because the oldest was the wisest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said, and Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Aren't you grateful that when you were caught in the act, Jesus didn't cancel you, he healed you. He saved you, he forgave you, he restored you. And this is what our world needs, just as you and I once did. This is what our world needs. Our world needs the grace of Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. But listen, in the midst and in the threat and under the threat of cancel culture, our world also needs the truth of Jesus Christ. And John 1, 14, I think is a powerful scripture. And it says this, it says, the word became flesh, it's speaking of Jesus himself, and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Catch this, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Say grace, grace. and truth. Grace. Say it again. Grace, grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. And here's what it speaks powerfully to us today: We can be filled with grace and truth at the same time. They don't do not have to be mutually exclusive to one another. Truth without grace can be, can come across mean, but grace without truth can be meaningless. And people in our culture, just like you and I once did, we need both. We need to be led to God through the grace of Jesus Christ that meets us right in the moment of our sin, in our darkest hour. God's not waiting for us to get good, to get God. The Bible says, while you were still lost in your trespasses, while we were still enemies of God, that's the very moment that God sent Jesus into my life, into your life. It's what the world needs to experience the grace of Jesus Christ, but the world also needs to experience the truth of God's word. And it's what we see modeled here. He was full of grace and truth. He went to the woman and he stooped into her situation and he rescued her and he saved her through his grace. But then you remember what he said as he sent her on her way, go and sin no more. Go and begin to live differently. In the wake of my extravagant grace that completely heals you, covers you, forgives you of the thing you really did. Now in response, go and begin to live differently. The world needs grace and truth. Truth without grace can be mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Jesus expressed grace, and then he said, go and sin no more. Ephesians 4, verse 14 through 15 says this, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching, and there's a lot of this going on today in the culture that we live in, even in the church. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they might even sound like the truth. Instead, what's our response? We will speak the truth. Someone say the truth. In love, say in love. love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ Jesus. How do we become more and more like Christ Jesus who was filled with grace and truth? We speak the truth in love. We gotta love people right where they are. We gotta love people right in the midst of their pride, sin, and rebellion. What else would we expect of people who were far from God like we once were? but to be living the way that they're living. But we gotta also tell them about a God who has a standard, about a God who has a word, about a God who has a way, about a God who has a promise, about a God who introduces principles that are intended for our good and our blessing. We have to learn how to speak the truth in love. And I believe it's gonna be more critically important and more important and more important in the days that we live in. Someone, if you agree, say amen. So I actually do have a Mother's Day message for you today. and <laughs> That was really just the introduction to the series. And I, want, I told you to turn to the book of Esther, and the book of Esther is a story about an amazing woman who God favored, who God promoted, and who partnered with God to do amazing things in her life. And God is still in the business of partnering with all people, but on Mother's Day today, I just want to encourage you, God is still in the business of partnering with women to do amazing things to further the gospel and advance his kingdom. And so if you haven't already, turn to the book of of Esther, and I want to dig into this, and I I almost kind of paused the star of the cancel culture series. And again, we're not just talking about political things or whatever, we are asking God, help us to be bold, help us to learn how to, to fully depend upon you so that we can speak the truth in love. But the other half of the series really is us saying, what do we need to cancel in our own lives as it regards the influence, not the people, but the influence, the spirit of the world. And maybe there's some places where we've begun to kind of live or we've drifted or we've begun to kind of embrace some of the things that the world is saying or doing or thinking or living and it's gonna be an opportunity for us to say, you know what, I'm gonna step out of that and step back into God's way, God's will, God's word for that area of my life. But I almost pushed this series out to next week just to focus on, 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 on the book of Esther and on Mother's Day and the Holy Spirit quickly quickened to me that this was to be the message to open up this series called Cancel Culture. And I I thought, okay God, I don't know that I completely understand, but then he quickly began to just remind me that, that, that the dignity and the honor and something so precious and sacred, even something as precious and sacred as motherhood and womanhood are actually under attack from our culture today. What do you mean, Pastor T? Well, did you know that there's a movement? It's real, it's legitimate. You could go, you don't have to Google it very long to find it. It'll probably pop up right there. There's a movement in our culture today that says it's no longer culturally sensitive to use the terminology expectant mother. Now we, they're making a push to say birthing persons. How many of you have seen that or heard of that? There's a movement to say, we can't say mom, we can't say pregnant mother. We can't say expectant mother. It's insensitive to men who want to have babies. And listen, it's, it's true. If you know, if you've updated your iPhone, you know that you have a pregnant man emoji on your phone. If you don't know, go and check it out. It's right there, a pregnant man emoji. In the name of progress, listen, here's what I'm talking about today is that womanhood, the, the honor, the sacred role of being a mom of walking in everything that God created you, the beauty of who and what God created you to do and be as a woman is even under attack from our culture. And listen, you need to hear me as we're talking about these things. We need to have compassion for people who are confused or hurting or have bought into what I believe is a lie and a deception. We have to have compassion for hurting and lost people. But at the same time, we also have to have conviction. And we also have to have courage. And I'm just telling you, we have to discover our voice to speak up and do what the Bible, what we just read, to speak the truth in love. Somebody say, speak the truth in love. God loves people who are hurting. God loves people who are confused. But I believe that if the church of Jesus Christ, if you and I... That beyond the organization of the church, beyond denominations, if people who are in the trenches, in the workplace, with the people, dealing with those issues in the schools, on the university, don't find the ability to, to capture the heart of God, Jesus was moved with compassion when he would do miracles oftentimes. We have to be moved with compassion for people, but we have to discover our voice to begin to speak the truth in love. Even something as precious and sacred as womanhood and motherhood is coming under attack from our culture. In sports, in the name of progress, biological males are now dominating girls' and women's sports. It's just beginning, but if you think it's going to stop, if we, unless we take a stand, I think you're wrong. And I'm just telling you, it's not progress to steal the opportunities that, we've, that women had to fight for and contend for and in the name of progress begin to steal those opportunities in the name of, of, of cultural sensitivity. It's not sensitive and it's not progress for those girls who have those opportunities to succeed and to achieve and to gain the scholarships and to win the championships pulled out from under the rug for them because contrary to, to I know this isn't popular politically, but men and women, they are equal in God's eyes. But God made them uniquely different. <laughs> just one more example, again, of just ways. These are just a few of the ways, the, the ones that just came to my mind. Just recently in the state of Oregon, the state legislature passed the Menstruation Equity Act requiring that feminine hygiene products are now placed in all boys' bathrooms in every school in the, in the state. The beauty and the dignity and the sanctity and the honor of being a mom and being a woman is even under attack from our culture. And I think something's gotta change. And I think what's gotta change is we have to be willing to speak the truth in love. To be moved with compassion. And to, and to point people to a God who, who has, a, has a standard, who has a way, who has a heart to align them with the way that will cause them to be healed of their confusion, that will cause them to begin to be aligned with God's blessing. We have to learn to speak the truth in love. All right, that brings us to the book of Esther. Esther's an amazing woman. She was an orphan. Both parents died when she was at an early age. The Bible gives us that account, and she was a minority in the culture in which she lived. And yet, God raised her up to become queen in a foreign land. And I'm paraphrasing for time's sake. I want to encourage you, maybe go back and read the story for yourself through the book of Esther. So she was orphaned and she was a minority. In other words, the deck was stacked against her in many ways and yet God still was able to elevate her, to promote her, to favor her, and to position her in a place of prominence and influence. She had become the queen of the land. And there was an evil man in the the king's government named Haman. And Haman, well, let's just pick it up. Haman had... Had, had, had an ego issue, and Haman was, 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 let's just read it. Read what the Bible has to say. Verse five, Esther chapter three, and it says, when Haman, this evil man, saw that Mordecai, who was a Jewish man, would not bow down and show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality. He was a Jewish man. So he decided, catch this, it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. In other words, he was looking to cancel an entire race of people. And isn't it amazing how this little race of people named the Jewish people, the Israeli people, one little piece of land, one little group of people have continually all throughout human history been the subject of ire and the subject of this spirit that rises up in the earth to try to terminate and eliminate them. And it's what we're reading about right here. It wasn't enough to just deal with Mordecai, who, was, who, who, who Haman thought was disrespecting him. He said, we got to take out the whole Jewish people. And so Haman, verse 8, Esther 3, approached King Xerxes and said, there's this certain race of people scattered throughout the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else and their laws are different from those of any other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. It is not in the king's interest to let them live. Some people caught wind of the scheme that Haman was plotting behind the scenes to eradicate the Jews. And these people went to Esther because they remembered she's an orphan girl. She's a Jewish orphan girl who God has positioned in a place of favor in the house of the king. She's the queen of our land. And in other words, they knew that she had the ear of the king. And you gotta know something today that if you're up against something that might even seem insurmountable or impossible, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have access to the ear of the king. And it's time once again to not just try to solve our problems in our own strength, but once again be, begin to be a people of prayer on behalf of your family, on behalf of your own personal life, on behalf of, of your family, on behalf of our churches, on behalf of our community, on behalf of our nation. We have got to begin to petition God once again because the Bible says that if His people, you and I who are called by His name, will humble ourselves will turn from our wicked ways, seek his face and call out to him in prayer. He will hear and he will heal our land. They went to Esther because she had the ear of the king. They knew that she had access to the king. And so they've heard of this plot to terminate and eradicate and to cancel the Jewish people. And they go to Esther and they say, Esther, you got to help us. Esther, you got to go to the king. But there was just one problem. And we see it outlined in verse 11 of Esther chapter 4. And it says, all the king, this is Esther speaking, and she says, all the king's officials, even the people all throughout the provinces, in other words, this was commonly held knowledge. She said, they know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me. So Esther has a moment of decision. She has a moment where... She's become aware of something that she knows is ungodly. She's become aware of there's an opportunity and maybe even a sense of responsibility that that she's been given a place and a position to maybe do something, to say something, to stand in the gap on behalf of the people of God, the Jewish people who are about to be exterminated and eradicated. But there's this problem of fear and intimidation. And, and, and she, she has this moment where, where I no doubt fear was, was gripping her, and she knew what she ought to do, she knew what she was called to do. she knew that she could make a difference. But intimidation and fear gripped her heart. And I don't know about you, but I think for us, as, a, as the people of God, as the Church of Jesus Christ, the ones who were called by His name, the one who's the, whom the Bible says, we're salt and we're light. We're we're, we're called to shine light on dark places. We're called to be the salt that, that in the Bible's terms really wasn't about seasoning as much, but there's an aspect of that. But in those days, they used salt to preserve things. And Jesus was saying, you're you're called to be the ones that stand in the gap. You're called to see the injustice, the injustice. You're called to see the ungodly agendas. You're called to see those things, and you have access to the king. You have the opportunity to stand and to make a difference. But the moment of decision that Esther had to face is the same one that we have to face. Are we willing to overcome the fear of what people might think, or the fear of retribution, or the fear of what might happen to us? Because Esther had it pretty good. The easy thing for her to Do would have been to just stay in the comforts of her royalty, just to stay in the penthouse of the palace. But she knew that what was happening in the culture of the day was not God's best. It was not God's will. And if she didn't stand, if she didn't pray, if she didn't speak, many people were going to suffer. Thankfully, she had faith-filled people around her. Because here's what I've learned over the years in my life as a disciple is that fear is a terrible counselor. And anytime you're making decisions based on fear or self-preservation, opposite of the boldness or the obedience that God is calling you to, in my experience, I've never made a good decision when I've made that decision rooted in fear or self-preservation. But thankfully, Esther had some faith-filled people around her. And in this moment of doubt, in this moment of fear, those voices raging inside of her heart and her mind, Mordecai, it says in Esther chapter four, verse 13, sent a message to Esther. And he said this. He said, don't think for a moment, Esther, that because you're in the palace, you'll escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And and, and so he's saying that God's going to make a way. He's saying, God will find a way. And you know what's really true all throughout the history of man and all throughout the Bible that we read and that we draw our faith from? That any time that the spirit of the world tried to rise up and to shut up or to limit or to intimidate or to cause the church of Jesus Christ to, to, to shrink back or to be hindered from advancing the gospel, it's never worked. It's always just cause for the gospel and the kingdom of God to move forward even more expeditiously because the word of God says that the word of God will not return to him void and Jesus christ said i'm building my church and and the gates of hell will not prevail against my people who are my church so so he says he says esther if you think that you could just sit up in your palace you got to understand something god will find a way to deliver us because he's always been faithful but he said you better be careful because the very thing that you are shrinking back in fear from might be the very thing that affects and influences you and your family And he says, you, you're in this position for such a time as this. There's people in your life. There, there, there's the, you look around, and if you have become hopeless about the condition of our culture, about the direction of our culture... I'm just telling you, God does not make anyone by accident. He makes everyone by design on purpose for a purpose in the right time. And you are alive in this day and in this hour for such a time as this. If he wanted you to be alive in a different time or season in the history of faith or in the history of man, he could have saw fit for you to be born in that time. The day that he has saw fit and seen fit for you to be alive and for you to have the, 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 the light of Jesus Christ shining and residing on the inside of you is this time. Right now, this culture, these moments, these complications, these frustrations, these conflicts, this is the time that God has appointed for you to be alive in the earth today. And now you are sent as salt and light into the earth who desperately needs the message of truth spoken in love, spoken with grace. So fear is counseling her, but thankfully she had those faith-filled people around her. Whenever you're gripped with fear about a decision or a direction in your life, come on, it's good to come and get with someone and say, help me to see this clearly, help me to make a God-honoring decision, and thankfully, Mordecai wrote that, that, that amazing letter filled with wisdom to her, and Esther's response we see in verse 15, and she, it says, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, okay, go and gather together the Jews of Susa and begin to fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights or days, my maids and I will do the same, and then even though it's against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Long story short, they began to pray. And then Esther began to have the faith and the boldness to step out, even though it was counter to the culture, even though she knew there was a risk, even though she, it knew, she knew that it might cost her everything that, that, that had, she had accrued in her life. And she stepped out and risked her own life to speak up and save the lives of others. Three truths we can draw from Esther's story that I think are especially applicable today on Mother's Day to women and especially to moms, but all of us are called to do these things I'm about to outline, and number one is Esther prayed. She said, gather people and begin to pray. Call a fast, begin to ask God because I might have some privilege and I might have the opportunity, I might have some access to the king, but I can't do this in our own strength. Even if God uses me, even if God uses my voice, even if God uses my access to the king, we cannot do it in our own strength. And I'm telling you today that we might be able to do some things, we might be able to to, to nominate godly people, we might be able to elect godly people, but ultimately we must begin to pray for our city, for our schools, for our nation because ultimately, Ultimately, it is God who is going to come and make a difference. It is a, it is a returning, an awakening, a revival of the word of God and of Jesus Christ that is ultimately going to change the fabric of our culture and our nation. If you believe it to be true, you ought to say amen. amen. She prayed. She prayed. She prayed. And, and you know, on Mother's Day, it's important to just say this. Many of us are standing here today still alive physically and spiritually because of the power of a praying mom or a praying grandma, or a group of ladies in your church that just prayed you out of some things that you never even knew they prayed you out of or prayed you through, and I'm just encouraging you today, y'all, to be thankful if you had that. And if you didn't have that, you ought, to be, you ought to know today that you have the opportunity to be that for your children. You have the opportunity to be that for even your grown children. Maybe they've already, they've already left the nest, but you still have the opportunity to every day, every moment, every time the Holy Spirit brings them to your remembrance, to lift them up before the Lord and say, Lord, they belong to you. I thank you for the opportunity to steward them, but they belong to you. Would you protect them? Would you provide for them? Would you direct them? Esther prayed. Many of us are here today because of the power of a praying mom. If you're a mom today, don't fall into the trap of doing motherhood in your own strength. You have an invitation, you have access to the ear of the king. And when things get hard, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say, when the kids won't obey, when you don't know what to make for dinner, when you don't know how you're gonna make it to all the different things, when you just feel like you can't do it, maybe you ought to just say, I can't do it in my own strength, and you ought to find a time to, as you drive on your way or, or as you hit your knees before you start your day, to say, God, would you give me the strength to be the mom? God, would you give me the strength to be the dad? God, would you give me the strength to be the wife or the husband? God, would you give me the strength to do and to be what you've called me to do and be because I cannot do it in my own strength? He's there for you. Maybe some of you, if you're tired or you're weak or you're weary, maybe you would be willing to be honest with yourself and just say, how much are you really leaning upon and trusting upon and calling upon the name of the Lord for that area of your life? And if God convicts you, he, doesn't, he never condemns us. There's zero condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus, but if God convicts you, Just appreciate that he's inviting you back to that place where you find your strength, where you find your source, where you prepare yourself for the grace to go back into your day and to do all the things you're called to do and be from him and not from only yourself. Esther prayed. Number two, Esther had a community of faith standing and praying with her. And the life of Christianity is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but once you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, many of the blessings and many of the provisions that God extends to us as the people of God are expressed to us through community. And just think about it. Where we're two or three are gathered together, I'm there. When they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray he could have taught him any way that he wanted to, but remember what he, how he taught him how to pray? He said, our Father, who art in heaven, give us, lead us not into temptation, deliver us. The invitation of God, it's not just to become a part of a church, but I, which I think is powerfully important to be committed and to be connected and to be known and to be serving and to be giving and to be loving and to be be, be part of something But the invitation is to become part of a faith-filled community Esther had that community of faith and in the moment where she was doubting in the moment where she was fearful They surrounded her and they prayed with and they prayed for and they gave godly counsel And it allowed her to step into the purposes of God for her life number three. Esther was selfless She was selfless And you better believe that that thought went through her mind. That if I step up and if I step out and if I I risk everything that I have, the palace and the prominence and the power and the prestige and all those things that I have that have made my life very comfortable, the easier thing for me to do, God, is just kind of step back and stay comfortable and stay silent. But she made a selfless decision And today on Mother's Day, I wanna make a statement and that's this, that nothing that I know of is more selfless than being a mom. I mean, come on, dads are involved in the process, but moms are committed to the process of bringing children into the world. Nothing is more selfless and so, as we talk about this need for boldness and as we identify the places where maybe we need to cancel the spirit or the influence of the culture upon our lives, I believe the thing that God highlighted to me on Mother's Day was that many of us need to kind of take evaluation and say, Is there anywhere in my life where I need to cancel the spirit of self? Because Paul wrote to Timothy and he said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he said in verse 1, He said, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Watch, why? For people, in other words, because people will love only themselves. People will love only themselves. It's gonna get hard, Timothy. Because people are going to begin to love only themselves. And their money. And they will be boastful, and they will be proud, and they will scoff at God and his word, and they will become disobedient to their parents. They'll be ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. And they will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others. They will have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. And they will begin to love pleasure rather than God. Nothing is more selfless than being a mom. And God has called us to live not for ourselves, but to live for him and to live for others. And when God wanted to initiate his plan of salvation, did you know that he could have initiated it any way that he saw fit? He's God, (laughs) he's writing the whole story. But when he wanted to initiate his plan of salvation to rescue us, and redeem us, and restore us, and renew us, he partnered with a mom. And he's still in the business of partnering with people and moms and women and people to fulfill and further the the promises of his kingdom. It says they'll be lovers of self. It says they'll consider nothing sacred. They'll hate what is good. Right now in our culture and in the news of the day, There's a battle that's being waged. It's been being waged for a great number of years. It's actually been the law of the land for 49 years, but just recently you might have seen this leaked memo from the justices of the Supreme Court that's indicating that there could probably or possibly be an overturning of Roe versus Wade. Yeah, come on. I mean, I... So I appreciate that. I appreciate that because I believe that we ought to, as the people of God, be a pro-life people. And listen, if you've struggled with, if the culture has influenced you and maybe you don't know where you fall or maybe you even fall on the other side, I wanna encourage you, would you look to the Bible? And and, and I believe as a pastor, we we don't just need to see laws change and we should change that law. I, I believe that 63 million the voices of 63 million babies are crying out. But more than just changing the law of the land, we need to pray that God would change the hearts of man. Like he said that he wants to do in Jeremiah, or, or, or actually in, in um, Revelation, where he said that I, I will send John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the parents back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. If you've wrestled with this issue, I wanna encourage you that, to look to the Bible. Psalm 139, 13 says this. And, and by the way, before I read this, that's a powerful scripture. Again, what the... Many of us have been influenced by the culture. Many of us have been swept up into things and we look back and maybe there's there's pain or there's regret. If you've been affected by this issue in any way, you've been party to or you've been a participant in, I want to encourage you right now, there is zero condemnation for those who present that issue in the presence of God. And today there's grace where the Bible says even where sin abounds, his grace abounds much more and he is still in the business of redeeming and and rectifying and reconciling and restoring even the most difficult and dark of moments in our lives. You need to hear that today, you need to hear that today. Psalm 139, 13 says this, for you created my inmost being. You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. The womb of a mother is a sacred place where God is working. And Jeremiah 1.5 says this. It says, and these are, this, these are the words of, of, of God speaking to Jeremiah. A- and he says, I knew you even before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And if you wanna get into that debate about when does life begin, I wanna encourage you, go to the Bible, and right there we see God's answer so clearly. Even before I began to knit you together in the, your mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully knitting together your inwardmost parts, I knew you. I had appointed you. I had called you. I had a plan. I had a purpose for you. Let me just say this today. And, and, and again, the reason that. This is, this is the news of the day, and I think it's important that pastors find the ability and the grace and the boldness to speak into the issues of the day and not shrink back or shy away because of what people might think or how it might blow back on us. But I'm also preaching this because it ties in with Mother's Day and that we must restore the dignity and the honor of the role of being a mom and all the things that women make those decisions for because it might steal the opportunity to do this or be this or attain this, we must restore the dignity and the honor of being a mom. You're partnering with God when you say yes to being a mom. And here's what I want to say. I want to say it to this room and I want to say it to everyone who's tuning in online, whether you're tuning in as this is happening or, or maybe the, the Lord has directed you to be listening to this when you're going through a difficult, a challenging, a fearful season in your life. If you are an expectant mother, if you are a pregnant mother and you are wrestling because there's fear and there's fear of lack and there's fear of the future and there's fear of what you thought your life was going to be, I want to encourage it today. I want to encourage you today. I want to appeal to you today. Would you reach out to us, this church, this family, Rev City Church, 700 Walker of Lawrence, Kansas, and would you allow us to pray with you? Would you allow us to come alongside you? Would you allow us to step up and to provide for you? Would you allow us to help you get the resources you need? Would you allow us to help you with the medical bills? Would you allow us to help open doors so you could continue to get education? Would you allow us to help care for that child? Would you allow us to come alongside you in a way that allows you to choose life for that precious unborn baby. And it's a standing invitation to anyone who ever hears that, I don't know how it'll look or how it'll go, but I promise you everything I just committed to you and all the other things that might be issues that are contributing to the conflict that you're feeling about that decision will help you so that you could choose life, so that you could partner with God. To bring life into the world, today we honor mothers. We honor women. Ephesians six verse two says, "Honor your father and mother." It's the first commandment with a promise, and it matters so much to God. It made his top ten list, <laughs> along with "do not murder," along with "do not steal." He he saw it so important. He said, "Honor your mom," because he knew how important those roles were in our life. And again, we must the sacredness and the beauty of being a woman and being a mom is under attack in our culture but I believe that God wants to do what only he could do he wants to see it protected and restored would you stand to your feet today and let's ask God to just show us what our part is what our response is and listen I, I, I want to be a part of a church that encourages me but I also want to be a part of a church that challenges me that challenges me about what I think and what I believe and what my convictions are I mean really and I understand that these are emotional issues, but I hope that you can appreciate that I'm just doing my best to just dig into God's word and present to you what I believe the heart of God is regarding any topic, even at the risk of being canceled. And, and I wanna encourage us throughout this series, and I hope that you'll buckle up and, and, and get back and be a part of all the next series, that are, the next messages that are coming. Because again, I believe that this is critically important in this season that God begin to prepare us through dependency upon him to be bold for him and to speak the truth in love to a world that desperately needs Jesus. So, Lord, we just thank you that today you would um, cause our hearts, Lord, to turn back to what matters to you. We pray, God, that you would break our hearts, God, for people who are lost and hurting, Lord, people who are confused. We, Lord, we, we, we still have things we're wrestling with and dealing with. Let us not judge people. Let us love people, Lord, but let us love them too much to not, to, to not to stay silent. Let, it, let us love them, Lord, enough that we're willing to share Jesus with them, to share how Jesus has healed us and is continuing to heal us and restore us. And and Lord, to just help people, Lord, to discover the life that you have. That Lord, your your your, your word is not a rule book, it's a it's an invitation to live in a way that invites the blessing of God into our life. And so, Lord, we thank you that you would do that, Lord, in our lives. Lord, I, I pray that. Over every mom, Lord, I pray over every woman, God. We do know, Lord, that this is a day of joy for many of us, Lord. It's a day of pain or, or, or regret for others, God. And I pray your healing over their hearts today, Lord. I pray that they would feel the weight of your pleasure and your honor over them as women and as moms. I pray, God, that they would say yes to being a spiritual mom. I pray, Lord, that they would say yes to receiving maybe an impartation or a love or an acceptance or an encouragement that maybe they didn't receive from their earthly mom, that they would step into a community of faith and begin to receive receive it from other women of God who are in ready to stand in the gap in their life Lord and we just thank you God for every every woman every mom we bless them today in Jesus name and lastly before we um, worship one more time and get you about your day I want to give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus to come home to a heavenly father who loves you so much he loved you right where you are he loves you right where you he loved you where you where he came into your life and found you but he loves you too much to leave you there he's inviting you back into a relationship with him and so if that's you today, maybe you once knew God, were raised in the church, but you've drifted. Maybe your heart got hardened towards Him. Maybe you just became busy with life. Today, the, the Father is calling out to you as a prodigal son or daughter, come back home. Come back home, my arms are open wide. I, 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 I see where you've been, I see what you've gone through, and I'm just waiting for you to say yes to me and come running into my arms. That's the invitation of your Father today. Or maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, and experience what it feels like to have the full weight of your guilt and your sin and your shame completely removed. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, all the way to the ocean floor. That's how far he's, he desires to remove your sins and your transgressions from you. So if that's you today, you're a prodigal son who needs to come home, prodigal daughter who needs to come home. Or you're weighed down with the heavy burden of your sin. The invitation of Jesus today is to come. And in fact, it's, it's It's the last scripture I'll use. Colossians 2 says this, that Jesus forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. He doesn't cancel sinful people, he just cancels the penalty of sin. That's the invitation there. So if that's you right now, don't delay. If that's you, you need to come home to your father, you need to be forgiven. Right now, don't wait. Raise your hand high towards God and just say, that's me. That's me, I need to come home to my father. That's me, I need to be forgiven. I need to be saved. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people. If you're online joining us, I think it will be powerfully important for you to do the same thing. Because you're not responding to a person. Maybe no one's even around you. You're responding to God. And this is just a, a, a simple but powerful outward sign of an inward work that God's doing in your heart. And if you raise your hand, you can lower it. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer with you. We do it for two reasons every week here at Rev City because we want to come alongside you. We want to show you that there's a church family that wants to welcome you and walk with you and help you and encourage you and disciple you and minister to you and help you begin to run the race of faith that God has called you to. And we do it for a second reason every week because it just reminds us every week that even as we're growing in our faith, that we never graduate from grace. Everything that God could ever do in our life, everything that he desires to build and do in our life is all built on unmerited grace that we never could earn or deserve and we still don't earn or deserve it. So let, come on, let's pray this prayer. There's some amazing people that, that said yes to Jesus today or came home to God today. Let's pray with boldness today. Repeat after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I couldn't pay. To make a way that i might have a new life and a fresh start and i give you my life and i give you my trust and because of jesus come on say it loudly i will never be the same and then put your hands together with all of heaven for the precious people who said yes to him came home to him today hey let's let's worship the lord together one more time and then pastor eddie and Beth will come and bless you one more time Remind you about a gift that we have for all you women and this mission here in just a moment. Come on, let's worship Him one more time together.